Would you uh, take your Bibles and open them to the book of Acts? So you find your way to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the book of Acts. And we are going to be in chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat in front of you. And if you don't have one in your home, you can take that one home with you. We want that to be our gift to you. And just enjoy reading these stories of the early church. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus and the disciples and His life and death, ministry and resurrection. And uh, Acts then begins to go on to describe the birth of the church and uh, what the church does in the early ancient world. And, uh, and so there's great stories there. And we want you to take that home, read it, and then join us, ask your questions. Uh, it's very helpful. Today we're going to read a bit of a lengthy passage, but I want us to hear this story. It's a good one. And so let's just begin right at the very beginning. Chap- chapter 10, verse 1. Hear the written word of the Lord. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, one who was... uh, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. The voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them. Hear these words, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. 
Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. A Gentile is just a a, a word for a non-Jew, okay? But God had shown me, has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now... We are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. That should be good news for us. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what has happened through the, throughout the province of Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. We are witnesses of everything He did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed Him by hanging Him on a cross. But God raised Him from the dead on the third day and caused Him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to people and to testify that He is the One whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about Him that Everyone, I want you to say everyone, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on non-Jews. For they heard them speaking in other languages and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Let's pray. Father, what an incredible story that is good news for us today. I pray that we would hear the insights of this brilliant story and that we would live deeply into it. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I always hate it when I have to learn a new pattern of doing things. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but you know, it seems like about every week there's some kind of update for my iPad or for your computer or those kinds of things. Sometimes it's really simple, but sometimes they change things around, don't they? And, and you find yourself, oh, I'm looking for a particular song, or you, you just kind of go on default mode, right? And you, you just, you're ready and your finger hits the wrong thing, it's playing the wrong song, because the button's out of place, because they've done an update and something's changed, right? It's almost like our brains go back to default mode and we have to train not just looking at where the new thing is, but we kind of have to get the new pattern going. And it may take, I mean, I might lose countless seconds, you know, looking for the new the new way. But it's annoying, right? This, this new pattern, this new be, uh, behavior, the new way that we have to do things. Now, one, one particular funny one that stands out to me had to do with uh, just a default in my drive. Driving. Okay, so when I was a teenager and first learning to drive, we lived in the great state of Texas. And, uh, and so we, we drove, a, oh, I'm going to turn this on here, let's see. So we drove a vehicle that, uh, that uh, hang on, let me get there. Well, we had some last minute problems. So we'll just, uh, we'll leave that uh, as it goes. I'm just going to describe, I had a picture of the vehicle. It was a 1986, 7, somewhere in there. GMC, 6.3 liters, I think, diesel engine Suburban. That's a great Texas vehicle, right? It's huge. You could like fit half of Texas in this vehicle. My parents had this vehicle and, uh, and, and we would drive it. But I was given, for my first car, a 1981 Toyota Tercel. It was like four gerbil power, um, with, you know, it, it was four speed. It was a, it was a standard transmission. The Suburban was an automatic transmission. My car was a standard transmission. It was a great car. I loved it. It, it lasted me forever. I drove that thing literally in the ground and then my brother got it and drove it even further into the ground. I mean, it was, it was just a great car, very forgiving clutch. Like you could turn it on, put it in first gear and not hit the gas and just let off the clutch and it just, and you'd go. It's a great vehicle. But for whatever reason, I wasn't driving that vehicle that day. I was driving my parents' giant Suburban. Automatic transmission, air conditioning. It was luxury, you know. And I was on my way to a friend's house who lived out in the country. And so for part of that, you would take a country highway. We'll say the speed limit was 55. And so I'm driving along at 55 miles an hour. And I'm approaching the cur- you know, the, approaching the turn to go off the road down to their house. But my brain goes into default mode. And so what I would typically do in default mode is I would press the clutch. And and I would downshift and use downshifting and brakes to be ready to to make the right-hand turn. But I'm in an automatic vehicle. It didn't have a clutch. What it did have was the world's largest brake pedal. I mean, do you guys remember? It was like this big. And I pushed that thing all the way to the floor at 55 miles an hour. I wish I could have been in the field next to just to watch this, to see the, the tires squeal and, uh, and, and, and the driver behind trying to keep it on the road. And, and I couldn't even lift my foot off the pedal because the force of stopping was pushing it even harder into the ground. I, I, honestly, I felt like the back of the truck was going to flip over this way and I was going to be looking the other way, upside down, hanging by my seatbelt. I was in default mode. And I was... 
And I wa- and it was difficult for me to do this. Now, this is a funny example, but we have these default modes, don't we? They're, they're difficult to change when they come up. Whenever we're thrust into a new situation, or when we're put in with new people, or when those people have maybe new beliefs, or they believe differently than we do, or they have maybe even behaviors that we're unaware of, or they're new to us, or they don't make sense to us, we can find ourselves longing for the default, longing to go back to the old ways, longing to go back to the people that we know and trust, who believe like we believe, who behave like we think people ought to behave. And if we're not careful, we can wind up missing the new thing that God wants to do in us and maybe in them by being there. And so we have to look at this. So let's talk about defaults. Defaults often come from our families. There, there is some wisdom in that thing that I say to pre-married couples. Uh, you know, you don't just marry a person, you marry a family. And what that means is that that husband has learned what it means to be a husband from watching his dad, and, wa- and he's learned what a wife is to be like by watching his mom. And the wife, on the other hand, has thought of what a husband is by looking at her dad and what a wife is supposed to be by looking at her mom. And those could be entirely different. And these two may be attracted to each other, but when you put them together and the expectations of what a husband and a wife are supposed to do, there can be some difficulties, right? Because we want to stay in our defaults. But to create the new marriage, there has to be something new. And so it can be difficult. So we learn these through our family. And what we do is then we look out at the world through a particular lens. And we see people, and we see behaviors, we can see cultures, we can see attitudes, and then there is a judgment out of that. Okay, now, don't get me wrong, this is not a, you know, you're just being judgy type thing, but we do, we make a decision, we make a a value assessment of what's out there. Sometimes, uh, that is, relates or is based on the lens. We have this, this judgment that's there, okay? We make an evaluation. And sometimes we're, we're kind of good in that, but most times I would say our default doesn't allow for the new, and we begin to miss something. Sometimes if that's really difficult, we can avoid that person. Sometimes we may criticize. Other times we can just work against whatever that group of people or that person is trying to do in the world. And sometimes we can even become hostile towards people based on our lens or on our default. And so we have to let God look at those things in us. Now there are some extreme examples of defaults, and we saw those mostly, uh, you know, good examples in World War II. If we get really stuck in our default mode, we can wind up ghettoing people, and we can even wind up killing them. I mean, that's extreme versions of not allowing your default to ever be updated. And we don't want to go there, right? We believe that God is calling us forward, that God has something different. Now, last week we looked at the difference between resurrection life and resuscitation, right? It is not resuscitation. Resuscitation was kind of what happened with Lazarus, where uh, Jesus, he, he is dead, he had been in the tomb for four days, and, and Jesus called him out, and he was resuscitated. He came back to life. But he came back to the old life. The old life that was still uh, in subjugation and the futility of sin, which leads to death, and Lazarus was going to die later on. 
But we said what Jesus, what we experienced on Easter Sunday was resurrection life. And that was that Jesus had gone all the way through death. Jesus had gone all the way through the grave. Jesus had gone all the way through the place of the dead and had come out the other side to initiate and bring forth something entirely different. And he was inviting last week Mary into this new resurrection life. He wants her to follow him so that she can know the full experience of my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Jesus continues to bring that resurrection life. And he has brought together now in our story a group of people and Peter is still learning that everything has been made new and I've got to be ready for the updates or my old default will pull me back into futility. And so Peter's default was given to him by his family. That was the Judaism of his time, okay? And that lens, that default said, we don't eat unclean food. There are things you eat and there are things you don't. If you eat the unclean food, those things that are on the list that we're not supposed to eat, then it makes you unclean and you're not fit to worship God in the way that you were supposed to. Now, the problem was is that other people don't hold these beliefs. And so when they eat those unclean things, then they are unclean. And if I touch them, then I will be unclean. And I won't be able to worship God in the way that I should. So, remember I said when we're stuck in our default, we can avoid people who do something differently. And then we have these Romans that are coming to Peter. An enemy of the people. And so they're just naturally someone we don't want to associate with. We want to put them over there. And so Peter is wrestling with this default when he's up on the roof and he's praying. And we have this weird vision. I think, I, I kind of wondered as I was reading, how long did he go without food? Said he was hungry, but it sounds like he was famished. And he has this come down and there in that sheet are all these animals. And he's given three simple commands. Rise, kill, eat. And he dares. Uh, did you ever think about this? He dares to tell the Lord. He says, Lord. He dares to tell the Lord, no way. See that, you want to know, am I stuck in my default? If God asks you to do something and you say, no way, that's a good hint. All right? And, and so he says, I'm going to teach you, Peter. Three times. It took three times. These defaults are tough. It's not just a simple update. Press this button and it will happen. It takes time. It takes practice. For Peter, it was three times before he could begin even to grasp what is God's new default. And God's new default is that God is the one who sends Cornelius. Did you know and we believe in the church of the Nazarene that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is at work in the world everywhere, not just in Christians. God is calling those who do not believe to come to an encounter with the risen Christ so that they may believe. They can get in on this. They can move in these rhythms of God's grace in the world. They can begin to understand God's new default. So it is God who sends Cornelius. And he has to get Peter's attention with the vision. And finally, Peter begins to get it enough that when the voice tells him, hey, there are three guys coming for you, go with them, no questions asked, just go. That he at least says, he doesn't say, no way, God. I've never associated with those non-Jews. I'm not going to do that. 
He says, okay, I'll go. And in the story, as you've heard read, and I'm not going to go through all of that again, but in the story that you have heard read, he begins to see. And he gives, I think, a great new statement for the church's default. He says that God shows no favoritism, but can take anyone from any nation and make them a part of God's great family. And he says, anyone, if they think that they are not a part, that they've done so so wrong, that God can forgive any sin and include them in God's new family. This is our new default, church. This is what Peter says about us, for us, and we need to hear it. It needs to become our saying. This is our new default. God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who is in awe of Him and does what is right. And also, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through Jesus' name. That's the new default. But it has some new ramifications for us. It means... (laughs) that we have to begin looking at things a little bit differently. What does this mean for you? I want to talk to the you, the individual you. What does it mean for you as an individual? I want you to know today, if this is your first day or you've been here a long time, God wants to include you in His family. God wants you to be a part of this family. Now, some of you have been around long enough to know a person in a church whose default got stuck somewhere. And because of that default, they maybe shunned you or pushed you to the margins or wouldn't create space for you. I mean, I remember a time not too long ago when those people who drove motorcycles, you know, they were not to be be around. I mean, they, they ride on these suicide machines everywhere, right? called Harleys. That's right. And they were pushed to the margins in some extreme circumstances told they couldn't be a Christian and ride one of those things. Can I say to you today, if you're one of those people, not just motorcycles, but whatever it is, God wants you to be a part of God's family. Now, on the other end of that there are some of you who think, I'm, I'm just, I'm not worthy to be in God's family. I, I've done so much wrong or so much thing. Whatever that may be, whatever you think about it, I want you to know the good news of the story is today that there is forgiveness. God can take anyone from any nation, anywhere on the earth, any human being, and can make them a part of His family. And if you need forgiveness in order to have that happen, then God is willing to forgive in Jesus' name. You have only to say that Jesus initiated something new and I want that resurrection life to be in my life. And Jesus will make that happen. And you can be a part of this family. That's important. I want you to know that today. And in a minute, we're going we're gonna to have a, a time of prayer and I'm going to invite you to say that if you would like. Because Jesus can change anyone's default. Do I get an amen for that? God can change anyone's default. Now, what does it mean for us as a group? C3 NAS. What does it mean for us? It means that our saying, our belief, has to become that you belong here. 
to anyone who walks in the door, whether they've been here all of their life or whether it's their first time to show it, our default, the words that come out of your mouth, or I'm so glad you're here, you belong. We want you here. We're glad that you're here. You belong here. This is your place. You may be a visitor this week, but next week you're family. Come on in. You belong here. And we have to say that with our words. And more importantly, we have to say that with our actions. We have to be willing to shake a hand. We have to be willing to say, get to know someone. We have to be willing to let God give us the strength to put beside our potential for embarrassment and just say, you belong here. I'm so glad you're here. I want you to be a part of this church. I'm glad that you're here. I just believe that God sent you. Do you believe, C3 Naz, that God, just like God did with Cornelius, God still sends people to a church to hear the good news? Now, I don't know if everyone has been an angel that sent them, but why should we take chances? Let's just be ready to welcome and say, you belong here to anyone God sends through the door. That's our default. That's where we have to go. No one is unclean. If they come, they belong. And it's more important for them at first to look at the belonging. They'll catch the believing if they know they belong and they're around here long enough. God will do the work. Are you ready to let that happen? Now, if you want to hear more about that and you want to hear more about our 10-4 vision for the next four years, you need to be here on Saturday, May 5th. We're going to be talking a lot about that. And what does it mean for every ministry of the church to be saying with their words and their actions, you belong here. You belong here. You belong here. It's going to take a while. It's going to take practice. It's going to take being intentional. It's going to, be take, it's going to take doing it over and over, getting it wrong and making amends and doing it right until the update takes full hold. But we are shown that it was hard for those back then. I mean, what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out? The Jewish believers were what? Astonished. I can't believe God would pour out His Spirit on these non-Jews like He did on us. The time for being astonished is over. The time for expecting that God can save and forgive anyone has to become our default church. Are you ready for that? I hope so. We're getting ready. And if not, it's probably going to get pretty uncomfortable here. Because we want to pray, God, make us uncomfortable if it means people are joining your family. That's what we need. That's what we want. Get me out of the way so that I can be a part of your you belong here message. That's what we need. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. If you're here today and you're saying, I, I want to be a part of that family. I really do. But for whatever reason, I ran into people who were stuck in their default and they pushed me out. I still harbor a lot of stuff there. Or maybe you say, I've done some really bad things. I want you to claim this today. I want you to ask God, if you need forgiveness, say, Jesus, I want resurrection life in me. Say it right in your own heart right now. I want to know this resurrection life. 
change me. Help me to forgive. Help me to know that I'm forgiven. If you did that right now, I want you to know you belong here. There's a group of people here who believe that and want you to be a part of this. We want you to know that you belong here. Now for some of you, this is more for our church. If you're recognizing or not acknowledging today that your default is stuck, there are people you struggle with, There are things that get your attention off Jesus and focused on a behavior or on a culture or on a belief or those kinds of things that's other than that. Can you take a moment within yourself to say, Oh God, let your resurrection life reset my default. Upgrade my software, whatever metaphor you need to use. God, come and help me. And then, I dare you to pray. God, make us uncomfortable. Help us to see every person that comes in the door as if they were sent by an angel from you. And help us to be ready with open arms to say, you belong here. I'm so glad you're here. You belong. You belong. Father, thank you for this story. Truth is, we still need our default updated. And we need to learn to live with the upcoming default resets and the upgrades that you will continue to send our way. To help us live more and more into your kingdom, which shows no favoritism and invites anyone who would like to be a part of your family to join. So we pray you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are warm, minds that are open for your call. I pray for those who prayed to ask you to give them resurrection life, that they would know even now that things are changing, that they can now live in a new world because of your love and mercy. And you're going to call them to help join people to your great family. Help us as a church to make you believe you belong here. You belong here that that becomes our saying in our words and more importantly in our deeds. Pray that you would bless this time and help us in all we do to be ready for your update anytime, place. For we ask these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Receive this blessing. And now, may you receive the joy, even in the difficulty, of an upgrade to your default. May you begin to allow God to do the great work in you that brings resurrection life into your life and into the lives of those around you. I pray you receive this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great afternoon.